Truth Espresso, episode 152. Hi, this is Daniel Minnick, the host of the Truth Espresso podcast here on the Christian podcast community, hosted by Striving for Eternity. Christmas is just around the corner, and you still haven't figured out what to get that family member who has everything. Why not try my new book, When the Watchtower Knocks, discussing an encounter with Jehovah's Witnesses? No, it's not some boring textbook. It's about an actual conversation with those dudes at the door. Learn what they believe by what they actually said. My brother John and I walk you through the dialogue and give comments along the way. The Trinity? Armageddon? Michael the Archangel? The Torture Stake? It's all in there. When the Watchtower Knocks is available in paperback for $8.95 and Kindle for $2.99. You might want to put it on your wish list, too. Treat yourself and your loved one to a read that is both fun and informative. Get When the Watchtower Knocks by going to truthspresso.com slash jw. That's truthspresso.com slash jw and finish that Christmas shopping list today. Hey there, friends, family, fans, and Christmas lurkers alike. Yes, this is the Christmas season, and this is your host, Daniel Minnick, along with my sweet, beautiful wife and co-host, Chelsea, to continue our Christmas episodes. And this one is going to be interesting. We're going to talk about, really, the true meaning of Christmas by discussing the words, the lyrics, to a recent popular Christmas song. And there's nothing unique about this because uh, quite a few other people, different articles, different podcasts have addressed this, but we figured why not throw our hat into this ring, but... This isn't just about answering the question, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Because we really want to make this episode practical, get our thinking caps on, but not just as an exercise in futility. We want to really focus on the truth of God's word, focus on the meaning of Christmas as we delve into discussing the ever-controversial song, Mary, Did You Know?, So, uh, sweetheart, ready to answer some questions and possibly raise uh, many more. (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. So, you've probably heard the song, Mary, Did You Know? And this song, from what I've read, because I didn't grow up actually knowing this song, I kind of learned about this song in kind of recent years, but the song was written, the lyrics were written by a guy by the name of Oh man, I have a typo in my notes, and yeah, so the song is Mary Did You Know, and I think I I have a typo in my notes where I have the, the guy's name is Mary, but it's Mark Lowry, <laughs> okay, I was like, wait, this can't be right, <laughs> oh, so lyrics by Mark Lowry and music by Buddy Green, <laughs> 
There we go. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I guess Mary was so much on my mind writing the notes that I accidentally put Mary where she doesn't belong. <laughs> this isn't like the Roman Catholics where they might see <laughs> so they might see Mary in a, a burnt toast or something, you know. But <laughs> that's not. <laughs> That's not what I intended. This is a complete accident here, but you know, Mark Lowry wrote the lyrics to the song. Well, that was nice humor relief. So. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably mention some fleeting comments about Roman Catholics and because different people have different views of this song, good or bad, right or wrong. And so I might mention some things about how Roman Catholics and more evangelical type Protestants might uh, look at the song differently. But you know, some of these things will come up. But, you know, <laughs> that kind of... <laughs> That little typo in the notes there kind of, you know, allowed me to <laughs> mention something about Roman Catholics to start the episode there. But <laughs> so <laughs> the song Mary, Did You Know, most of the song is all about asking Mary, did you know about who your son would be and what he would do? And yeah, the song has a very gorgeous tune to it, and it really makes you think, you know. I mean, I when I hear the song and the questions and the statements in the questions about who Jesus is, you know, it kind of like gives you goosebumps just, you know, <laughs> listening to it. It's like, <laughs> sometimes depending on who's singing, it's hard not to like get emotional about it so yeah the song it has its qualities there uh, what do you think sweetheart do you you know do you like the song or at least <laughs> to some degree before we dissect it <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was thinking which i'm not sure if you remember but um my sister and i we would do ballet oh, yeah. to like different christian songs to try and present the gospel and the gospel message in different places. And this was one of the songs that we danced to in one of our Easter presentations. We would like do dances from his birth till his resurrection. And that was one of the songs we did. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, I know the song quite well from all of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But... I'm sure, you know, and doing ballet to the song would add kind of more visual to, you know, you hear the words and you also see like an interpretive motions to things, you know, and make it even more real and personable. <laughs> yeah. That's nice, sweetheart. And so what I want to do is take some of the phrases from the song and kind of group them into similar categories to ask some questions about like, so Mary, did you know? And sometimes it isn't just a matter of did she know, but, uh, you know, we could ask the question, could she have known? You know, some things might be more obvious than others. So it's not like the song is either a across the board yes or across the board no. You know, you might have to take different phrases and evaluate them as we look at scripture verses to see, you know, did she know or could she have known? Was it likely that she could have known? Or, you know, some things like you just have to leave it up to your own speculation. But first off, we can see that Mary definitely knew that she was specifically picked. She was specially picked. 
So we look at Luke chapter 1, we see in verse 28, And now the angel Gabriel came into her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, and this is the Greek word kakartamene, which um, I'm, I'm familiar with this word because it comes up a lot in a lot of debates with Roman Catholics and stuff because they say that this, this specific Greek word, which only shows up this time in the New Testament, which would make it a hopox legomena, one, like something that happens only once, they will say that this implies that Mary was immaculately conceived, like the highly favored of the Lord. You know, it means that she had no sin. She was that highly favored of God. You know, the Lord is with me, but I don't agree with that understanding. But yeah, there we have this special Greek word here where Gabriel is saying, Hail, Mary, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women. <laughs> so among women, Mary, you know, is very special. Like, and it seems like the angels telling her by saying, "Blessed are you among women," that there is no other woman like you. In what I'm about to tell you, and like I'm going to explain to you, what makes you special among women. And verse thirty, Gabriel tells her, "You have found favor with God." So just kind of like Noah found grace, you know, or favor in the eyes of the Lord in Genesis 1. Mary found favor in the Lord in that he would give her a son, a special son, who would be, he says that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her and she will conceive even though she's not knowing a man. And so he's telling her that, you know, you will conceive of a child even though you're a virgin so that dictates that this child is miraculously provided by god and she was specially picked for this so yeah she knew that there's something unique about this and that would indicate that there's something special about the child that she would have so that's one thing that Mary certainly knew, you know, as the angel Gabriel, like in special words, you know, Kakar to Menai told her that she was very special because of uh, how special her child was. She was unique among women in that she would have a child who's unique among men. She also knew that her child was the promised Messiah as the angel and other people filled with the Holy Spirit would tell her things about how great this child would be. So, continuing in Luke chapter 1 and verse 32, it says that Gabriel told her that he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. Now, that's a very exalted statement about her son. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. So what did the Israelites look forward to as they were in bondage to the Romans, starting with Babylon and then Media, Persia, and then Greece, and then Rome? They've been kind of ruled by other nations. And in the process, the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they would prophesy that a Messiah would come and they would finally return Satan safely the land, which Mary was living in the land, but still ruled by a foreign power, that eventually a Messiah would come who would rule, would be the son of David, who would be the king of Israel, and 
not like Herod, (laughs) being almost like a puppet king in a way, but he would actually be a king of a restored Israel. He would have the throne of his father, David, be like David, be greater than David. We also have Elizabeth, who conceived a child in her old age. The same angel, Gabriel, told Zacharias, her husband, that his wife Elizabeth would conceive in her old age, like Sarah did, and give birth to the messenger, John the Baptist. And so when Mary visited Elizabeth, and it says that she was filled with the Holy Spirit, and Elizabeth said in verse 43, And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. So Elizabeth recognized that the child who would be born to Mary was going to be her Lord. And so, yeah, Mary likely (laughs) most certainly knew that her son was going to be the king who's going to be the promised Messiah and likewise Elizabeth to Mary. These are things that are very obvious that Mary knew Her child would be special. He'd be the promised Messiah. I think it's kind of neat, too, just looking at how what some of the information that Mary probably knew was what was prophesied in the Old Testament, too. We knew that he was going to be the son of the Most High because Isaiah talked about that in kind of one of my favorite Christmas songs, too, is Handel's Messiah. In (laughs) Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. And just, and I know there's passages like in Second Samuel as well, just talking about how this um, coming Messiah is going to be the Son of the Most High. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's neat just to see some of the prophecy fulfilled too and what some of Mary's understanding of who her son was. Good thought there, sweetheart, in bringing up Isaiah 9-6. If you want to look up last year, last Christmas, I, I did an episode on Isaiah 9-6. <laughs> so it really went deep into the words there, especially the four-part name that would be given to the Messiah, and looked at cross-references there to demonstrate that he would indeed be deity, and what those words mean, and how they're used in other scriptures, even in Isaiah as well. <laughs> And so, yeah, you want to check that one out, the Christmas promise of Isaiah 9-6 from last year. And yeah, so one thing that I, I, I picture in my mind after Gabriel visits Mary, gives her the vision and tells her who would be born to her. I just picture her at some point wanting to run to a synagogue where they would keep some of the scrolls and she would want to like, okay, I want to read more about what's prophesied of the one who's in my womb. You know, like, I just think that that would have to be exciting and amazing to think about. Like, let me read things that were written several hundred years ago that are talking about what's going on right now, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I was reading a lot of the prophecies were like (laughs) six to eight hundred years before Christ's birth. Mm -hmm. I mean, just in 
the later prophecies. Like, of course, we have prophetic things in Genesis even. But, mm, yeah. You know, yeah, it's kind of what you mentioned earlier, that looking into the lyrics of this, it kind of brings you back to Scripture and really digging deeper into, okay, what was revealed, what wasn't, what was prophesied. It just makes you really dig deep into God's Word, and I think that that's one of the benefits of doing studies like this. Yeah, definitely, sweetheart. And so now let's get into the words of the song. We haven't actually mentioned the phrases yet, but now we're going to bring up the questions of Mary, did you know, according to the lyrics of the song. So one of the questions the song asks is, you know, Mary, did you know that you're baby boy would one day rule the nations and so yeah did mary know that her son would rule the nations well we could answer that by looking at some of the things that she was told and then also look at some of the prophecies as you mentioned sweetheart about did some of the prophecies say that this Messiah would rule the nations? Would he just be another king of Israel? <laughs> or would he actually rule the entire world? <laughs> so Luke one thirty three, Gabriel tells Mary, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now, that is kind of interesting. Like, how is he going to reign over the house of Jacob forever? <laughs> you know, like, okay, you know, did Mary understand that? As we'll ask the question related to the nature of her son, you know, did she understand that he was deity? But it, it's interesting that Gabriel said that your son will reign over Israel forever, <laughs> you know, speaking to his eternity there. And he says, and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. <laughs> now you could think of successors there you know like okay there will be an unbroken line but you know jesus never got married and never had children you know but he's going to reign forever and ever and of his kingdom there shall be no end so it seems to be a hint there that he will live forever in some form but gabriel just he tells her there they'll reign over israel but are there other statements that Mary could have been told, or if she looked at the scriptures, would it say that the Messiah would reign over the nations? So in Luke 2, verse 32, Simeon is talking to Mary and Joseph, mm -hmm. and he's mentioning that Mary's son is going to be a light to the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. So there's another passage that it talks about who Jesus is and what he will be. So we see that he's going to be a light to lighten the Gentiles. Now, so that seems to be another hint that was directly spoken to Mary that he would in some way influence the Gentiles. Like they will look to him. They will be enlightened by him. So he'll be the glory of the people Israel, but the nations will also look to her son, you know. I mean, can you imagine being Mary and hearing this? I mean, like, okay, you know, I, I would think like, okay, so how do I protect him? Do I have to protect him? I mean, I'm having all these things saying this will happen, but so he will be born. He will be born alive. He will grow up. I mean, how do I care for him? He's going to grow up. He's going to, you know, like God's going to see to it somehow that, you know, I won't 
make a mistake and his life will be over and and he will be great but he's going to be a carpenter's son and how, how is this going to happen but yet he's going to be the glory for the people of israel and a light to lighten the gentiles now we also look at the scriptures that she could have read so this is we bring up old testament scriptures that actually give us the truth the prophecies about jesus who he would be and what he would be like that isn't to say that you know mary had the entire old testament memorized but it's answering the question could she have known you know it's possible for her to have known this by reading or hearing these scriptures but we have psalm 2 verses 7 through 8 which speaks of the son of god it says i will declare the decree the lord yahweh hath said unto me thou art my son this day have i begotten thee ask of me and i shall give thee the heathen or the gentiles for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession yeah so this is the one that it ends with you know kiss the son lest he be angry you know and blessed are those who put their trust in him you know so yeah this is the one to whom all must trust and believe and he will reign he will rule the world he will break the enemies like vessels and he will get the heathen the gentiles for his inheritance so this sounds like this messiah who's called the son of god here who will rule over the nations And then you also have Psalm 72, verses 8 through 9, that Mary could have read or heard that says, And he shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. So he will definitely have a vast kingdom that his you know enemies will feel it. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's another passage there showing he will indeed rule the nations. So it seems that Mary was directly told and she could have understood from scriptures. It was possible for her to know from the scriptures that he would rule the nations. So Mary, did you know? Well, I think it's likely that she did in this case. (laughs) So let's think of our next phrases in the song here. And there's a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah, which I think you did a good job kind of grouping these together here to make it easier. So the next section we're going to look at is, did she know he would perform miracles? So we see many miracles that Jesus did throughout the New Testament. And this next part of the song is asking, could she have known some of these miracles that Jesus was going to be able to do? So the phrases are that Jesus would one day walk on water. He would give sight to the blind men. He would calm the storm with his hands. The blind would see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. There's a lot of miracles to see. Ask if Mary would know he would do them. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of verses that talk about these miracles in both the New and Old Testament. So do you want to share some of those verses? Yeah, I think I have some and then you have some, which I think the ones you found are probably, you know, even more uh, or fuller than the ones I found. But 
So Luke 4, verse 18, well, you know, this is when Jesus was an adult, but he's reading passages from Isaiah that Mary could have read. And Jesus said, as he reads the scriptures in the synagogue, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So what Jesus quotes is actually a kind of a conflation of two verses from Isaiah. So Isaiah 61.6, he starts with, and then Isaiah 42.7 is where it mentions opening the eyes of the blind and delivering captives. And Jesus mentions then, you know, to preach the acceptable day of the Lord. And he says, you know, this day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears. So these are scriptures that Mary could have read that says about what Messiah would do, that he could open the eyes of the blind. But sweetheart, I think you have more verses. You found more verses that relate directly to some of these questions in the song other than giving sight to the blind. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the verses I found were in Isaiah 35. I think I started in verse 5 originally, but I think verse 4 is kind of neat too. Oh, cool. Um, So verse 4 says, Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart. And the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. So you hear we have the blind see, the deaf will hear, have the lame leaping, you know, as the deer and the dumb speak. So we have giving sight to the blind and everything there. So we have all those miracles prophesied. What we don't have is walking on water calming the storm and the dead living again so those are three from the song that we don't really see directly as far as i could tell unless you have some sweetheart like scriptures prophesying this well i'm not quite sure if this is directly with that but at the end of verse six it's talking about for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert So I'm just thinking like that's just showing how this one that comes, Jesus Christ, he has power over nature. He can bring water out Mm. of the wilderness. He can bring streams in the desert. So I know that's not necessarily saying he's going to calm the storm like in the song there, but it's just showing like he does have that power over nature. And that probably goes into one thing that I mentioned here about Mary possibly understanding that Jesus would perform miracles, that we have the account of his first miracle at uh, Cana, the wedding at Cana in John chapter 2. She possibly knew that Jesus could handle the wine at the wedding. It's not perfectly clear, and it's not clear that she knew how he would do it. <laughs> but just from her statement, so in John 2, verses 3 through 4, it says, And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. 
Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. So all she did was just tell him, they have no wine. And it seems like a fairly straightforward statement, like maybe, you know, someone told her they don't have any wine. What are they going to do? And then she relays that to Jesus, but it seems like she's telling him with this understanding that he could do something about it. That's what it seems to be as Jesus understood her statement, because he says, my hour is not yet come. So it seems like when she told that to him, it's like she confided to him that he was able to somehow provide the wine that was lacking at the wedding here. So this was the first miracle that Jesus performed, and it seemed like from what we can infer from these two verses, Mary had some understanding that Jesus could make something happen here. Mm -hmm. And that seems to relate to, you mentioned uh, bringing streams in the desert, like he'd have some control over nature there. And yeah, he had control. He didn't bring water in the desert, but he brought wine Mm -hmm. (laughs) from water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we see here some evidence that she knew that he had some power to do miracles. Now, did that mean that she knew that he would, in fact, walk on water? Well, we can only speculate about that. And I don't see any negative or positive any way whether she would actually know that he would or necessarily that he could. But, you know, (laughs) it seems to be rather somewhat neither here nor there in that case. So we can give the song a little bit of leeway with that question. Anyone could speculate whether to ask Mary, did you know that he would one day walk on water? And then raising the dead, as you mentioned, so we are bringing water in the desert, that might equate to the power to raise the dead. But we have example of, is it Elisha? (laughs) Elisha raising a young girl back to life. (laughs) And so there is an example in the Old Testament of a prophet raising someone from the dead. And it wasn't four days in in a sealed tomb like with Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That was like a very unique and special miracle there that no one at that time would have expected based on precedence, based on past precedence of anyone raising someone from the dead who was in a sealed tomb. And as they said to Jesus, Lord, he he was in there four days, he stinketh. (laughs) And yet Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And that was a, you know, a pretty amazing thing. But whether Mary knew that, we can give the song a little leeway on that one too, I would think. You know, what do you think, sweetheart? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Hey, I'm Daryl, and I'm here with my wife, Karen. What's up? And we're the hosts of the What Are We Even Doing Here podcast, the podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all asked, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. Now we get to an important question as we look at some other of those questions from the song. Did Mary know that Jesus would save people from their sins? Because we have phrases in the song, 
Did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? And also that he has come to make you new, and this child that you delivered would soon deliver you? Mary, did you know that? Well, we have something which would seem apparent to me that she would know this. She would know that Jesus would save people from their sins. Directly, this was actually said to Joseph in Matthew one twenty one. So the angel Gabriel, after Gabriel appeared to Mary, and then you can imagine what it was like when Mary's trying to explain to Joseph who is her soon-to-be husband, betrothed, that, um, I'm with child, you know, but it's by the Holy Spirit, and Joseph's kind of grieving, like, what am I going to do with her? Uh, like, she's never given me any reason to doubt her. She's always told the truth, but this is kind of far-fetched here. And, you know, it says that he was minded to put her away privately. But then the angel Gabriel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said in Matthew one twenty one, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus, which means savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. And given that Mary had told Joseph about what would transpire, that she was <laughs> with child of the Holy Spirit, then since the same angel told Joseph in a dream that Mary was with child of the Holy Spirit, in fact, confirming her story to him that when he woke up, he would indeed tell Mary about <laughs> what he was told by that same angel. So at least Joseph knew that their son wouldn't just be a political deliverer because Gabriel told him directly that he would save his people from their sins. And I would expect, you know, that Joseph would tell Mary that, you know, it's not specifically stated, but I think we can safely infer that he would have told her that and that she would know that Jesus would deliver her. Now, I'll mention the Roman Catholics in passing here because when the song asks this child that you delivered would soon deliver you, Roman Catholics might have a hard time with this because they believe in what's called the Immaculate Conception that Mary... Now, when we say the Immaculate Conception, some Protestants might say, well, yeah, I believe in the Immaculate Conception because Jesus was sinless. Well, that's not what the Immaculate Conception is. The Immaculate Conception in Roman Catholic dogma is about Mary being immaculately conceived. So the Immaculate Conception is about Mary. You know, they believe that Jesus was immaculately conceived, but the dogma of the Immaculate Conception is that God was Mary's Savior in a special way in that Mary was spared the stain of original sin at her conception. So unlike everyone else, they're born, they inherit original sin from Adam, they sin, but Mary was spared it, said, God, my Savior, which shows that, you know, she was a sinner in need of a Savior, but Roman Catholics would say, well, God was her Savior and that he saved her from sin preemptively. And they'll often give the example of picture this mud pit and that everyone else falls into the mud and then their salvation is being pulled out of the mud and cleaned off. But 
Mary was saved by God sparing her from falling into the mud in the first place at her conception. So that's what Catholics would understand. And so when they hear the words, did you know, <laughs> you know, that your son has come to make you new, future tense in a way, or this child that you delivered will soon deliver you, if it's referring to to salvation, you know, from sin, they would, <laughs> they would probably want to pound the table over this because they, you know, say, no, since she never sinned in her life, preemptively by God sparing her the stain of original sin, then she would somehow have to be aware of the fact that she had never committed sin in the first place. So yeah, Catholics would have a hard time with this. <laughs> But yeah, Matthew one twenty one, Joseph is told that Jesus would save people from their sins. He would save their sons and daughters, and Mary would likely know this. So I also have a verse that's kind of related to this, but it's another one that Roman Catholics will make an issue out of. So Luke 2.35, we have Simeon, as mentioned earlier, speaking to Mary and Joseph prophetically. He says, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And this reflects the fact that she would know that Jesus would die, and likewise because the sword would pierce her heart also. So she would grieve, she would feel that grieving over the fact that her son would die for the people. He'd pay for sins but through his death, but she would feel that sword piercing her heart also. And Roman Catholics will take this to make Mary some form of co-redemptrix, you know, because, you know, as Jesus was pierced for our sins, since it says that her, uh, the sword would pierce her heart also, that that somehow made her some in some secondary sense a part of, you know, the sacrifice, <laughs> the redemption there so she was co-redemptrix there but yeah so that's another you know a mention of of how you know how roman catholics would see some of these passages but protestants would not see things the same way there but we do see from this verse that there's an awareness that jesus would die and be the sacrifice and we see that clearly in isaiah chapter 53 about the redeemer who would bear the iniquities of many he would be bruised he would be crushed for he shall bear their iniquities. So, yeah, we have that prophecy saying how he would die to pay for sins. So, yeah, Mary, did you know? I think she knew. <laughs> so our next segment, we're going to ask, did she know, did Mary know he would be divine? Mm. And this kind of covers the phrases in the song where it mentions that he has walked where angels trod when you kiss your little baby, then you've kissed the face of God. He is the Lord of all creation. He's heaven's perfect lamb. He is the great I am. So a lot of phrases there in the song where it's talking about his divinity and just asking how much did Mary understand this? And can we see that from scripture at all where she could have had that understanding as well? And this is one where I, I would probably allow for some leeway in this. Now, I would not be dogmatic either way, of course. 
Roman Catholics, and I can at least respect them for this one, where they want to elevate Mary and her understanding of what her own special son would be like. And so they would have a heyday with the idea that Mary wouldn't even know that her son is uniquely God, you know. (laughs) But it's still a matter of speculation. Now, we do believe that the Old Testament scriptures prophesied who Jesus would be like. Now, they're made clear as they're quoted by New Testament authors to show, oh yes, this is indeed speaking of the fact that he would be the divine creator. But do we expect at this time, someone living at the time of the birth of Jesus, did they actually understand those passages to be speaking of the fact that the Messiah would indeed be God himself in a direct sense? Maybe. I mean, I, you know, I would not say call someone a heretic if they speculated about the understanding of people at this time or whether it was absolutely necessary as a matter of their own salvation at this time if they actually understood the passages to mean that. So we could ask the question, does a faithful Jew at this time living in 2 BC, did their salvation depend on reading the Old Testament scriptures and to understand that the Messiah would be God incarnate. <laughs> I would have to allow, you know, for the possibility of either way. You know, what do you think, sweetheart? Because <laughs> I don't want to sound like a heretic myself, but I don't want to speculate one way, you know, and be dogmatic about something. Because we do know that when Jesus came, his incarnation itself was a matter of divine revelation. He brought the new covenant. He made light the scriptures of the Old Testament. And then we have the New Testament writers recognizing the full meaning of the Old Testament. So, yeah, as he spoke to people, as they heard him speak, you know, what manner of man is this, you know, who can calm the sea? And as Jesus would make clear, where Thomas would then confess, my Lord and my God in John twenty twenty eight. Yeah, we had the revelation that clarified things. So people did <laughs> at least learn, oh, yes, this Messiah, Jesus, is indeed the Son of God in the fullest sense possible. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think some of the passages you have in the notes here, they demonstrate that there was a, I mean, maybe hmm. more simple understanding hmm which I think the divinity can be somewhat simple in some ways too, um, that he was the son of God. And there's multiple times in Isaiah where it's talking about, let's see, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mm, and yeah. Then you have in Matthew one twenty three where it explains that Emmanuel means God with us, and yeah. so I think that there's times where it has it does show that um, the Son of God who she was carrying at that time was divine. Yeah, so definitely what we have here is the meaning of words as it's definitely revealed 
through Christ, through that these prophecies do indeed dictate that he would be God with us, you know, Emmanuel, God with us, and that he would literally be God with us. <laughs> so it is possible that Mary would understand that the one who was in her womb was also God incarnate, you know. Well, just even thinking about how she conceived. Yeah, is conceived by the Holy Spirit. So she was a virgin. So. It says, you know, a virgin will conceive. You know, I know there's the liberal scholars or the, you know, especially Jews will like, you know, that aren't messianic jews will say alma you know in isaiah seven fourteen, doesn't have to mean virgin it doesn't necessarily mean virgin it means a young woman and stuff so it's not indicating someone giving a supernatural birth but the new testament definitely means virgin you know and so mary was a virgin fulfilling isaiah seven fourteen, and luke one thirty two. gabriel tells her that he will be called the son of the highest. And verse 35, he says, giving the supernatural conception, it says, the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And yeah, <laughs> that, those words, at least as we understand the full revelation of Scripture, means the one who shares the same nature as the Father, the Son of God. <laughs> Yeah, it is possible that Mary knew that you know Jesus was divine, not just imbued with divine power, but himself by his essence, by his nature being divine, being God. <laughs> we know from scripture that he is indeed divine, <laughs> you know, so to answer the question, did Mary know that he if she kissed his face, she was kissing the face of God? I'll say it's possible. <laughs> So now, let's ask another question here. As we've looked at these phrases in the song, to put some things into perspective here, did Mary have perfect understanding of her son? And this is probably a question where, you know, I might frustrate some Roman Catholics, <laughs> because did she know absolutely everything about her son? Because they might want to say, well, of course, you know, she's the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Theotokos. Why wouldn't she know everything there is to know about her son before we do, you know, by revelation of the scriptures? But, I mean, we do have this account in Luke chapter 2 later on when Jesus is 12 years old and he's in the temple. And he talks with the scholars demonstrating his very unique knowledge of the scriptures better than they did and they're amazed but in verses 48 through 50 we have and when they the doctors of the law and when they saw him they were amazed and his mother said unto him son why hast thou dealt with us behold thy father and i have sought thee sorrowing and he said to them how is it that ye sought me wist ye not that i must be about my father's business and they understood not the saying which he spake unto them so, you know, there are some things about Jesus, even after Jesus said this, that Mary didn't quite understand. She didn't understand why he had to be at the temple without their knowledge, out of their sight, talking with the doctors of the law in the temple. And then even after he explained, shouldn't I be about my father's business? Could Mary have even thought he meant, well, 
then why aren't you helping your dad out carve some wood? You know, like, no, he's referring to God the Father and about my father's business there. And she didn't understand the saying. I mean, she ponders sayings in her heart, as we're told repeatedly, but they understood not what he said. So it's possible there are nuances about Jesus that even Mary didn't quite understand. So (laughs) that can give us a little leeway to ask some questions about Mary, did you know? But we see a lot of the things in the song. Mary likely knew a lot of those things, and there's some things we could speculate about. You know, some of the miracles or things like that. So I think for me, that last part is a little more. (laughs) So this last question, when we're asking, did Mary have perfect understanding of her son? I think that that kind of brings me back to, okay, Mary is human. (laughs) Like (laughs) she can't have perfect understanding because she is human. But also, I know that sometimes we don't have all the information or the insight to circumstances, and that's almost God's way of protecting us from things. Mm. So, like, for what I'm thinking in this situation, if Mary knew every single thing about Jesus, what was going to happen, all of the details, to me, that would be so overwhelming for a human being to (laughs) take on And that would be very burdensome. And I don't think that's what God intended for Mary to carry. So I just wonder like how much she understood to the point that it wasn't burdensome to her. And yet it was comforting and brought Mm. her hope. You know, they hadn't heard from prophets or from God for what was it like 200 years? Yeah, I think it was 400 years. 400 years. And so I think this, news was something that was very exciting at that time and I don't think there was that full understanding of what all was going to take place and all the details because that would have (laughs) taken that excitement out and also when you know everything like all the details what Jesus would be like what he would do then that kind of takes away a responsibility for Mary to trust God and to trust like okay I know God's got this I know he This is God's plan here. He sent his son. And I think that for us, when, especially as parents, that is one of the aspects we struggle with is trusting God with our children. Because sometimes we're like, oh, if I just knew what was going on in their little mind, (laughs) what they were thinking, it'd make it way easier. But we don't because that's not how God made us. But we are able to trust in God. We are able to look at scriptures and get that knowledge and understanding, ask for wisdom. And I think that not knowing everything helps us to trust God. And so to me, I think this part is a good thing that she doesn't have full understanding of her son. And I'm going to say, and she, you can see her motherly side show up there. (laughs) You know, she's, Mm -hmm. she's a mother and she's asking him questions like a mother would, (laughs) you know, she's concerned. Why isn't he with her? Where, how did he go? Why aren't you with us? You know, what are you doing? She's a mother. (laughs) So there's a, that was my little rampage. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's definitely a, there's your, your motherly questions right there. And, 
and it reflects on also, yeah, from that passage that we looked at in Luke chapter 2, it shows Mary, as you mentioned, was human, and she was a mother, and we see her genuine, innocent motherliness coming out there, even in her ignorance, you know, which is not a bad thing there, <laughs> as a mother to her child savior. <laughs> so just one quick little thing, hopefully. Yeah. Again, just because it kind of goes with this section, I was thinking the Christmas service that we just had at our church, the message was about asking who instead of asking why. So like why bad things happen, why this, but asking, okay, who, who is the one that can give you hope, who can save you and who gives you eternal life. And to me, I think a lot of times in this song, when people are questioning it, we're looking at the what and the winds and the hows and, okay, mm-hmm. would you know if he would do this specifically yeah. or do that? And yeah. to me, that's kind of like, all right, we're kind of losing focus here. We're yeah. looking at who this is. This is the son of God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're not putting limits on, oh, I think he's going to do this specific thing. <laughs> No, he's the son of God. He is all powerful. He can do what he wants to do. And I think that keeps our focus more on who Jesus is, what his purpose was, Mm -hmm. and not on all the little what ifs in house (laughs) type of things yeah which brings us to the last points that we want to make yeah as you mentioned there so we are can we cut the song some slack because as we're dissecting it yeah it's good to dissect it and stuff like that because it gets us in the scriptures as we'll even see that the songwriter appreciates about the criticism that he's received but can we understand the questions in the song more innocently you know if they're asking mary did you know couldn't we understand the song to have some form of rhetoric to it, you know, such that maybe we're not supposed to assume that these questions have to get have a no answer, you know, like that we're not supposed to assume that, did you know that really, you know, could you have known that? Did you, you know, maybe the answer to all those questions is an emphatic yes, but the song is focusing on the identity of Jesus in a form of asking questions to Mary because it's focusing on the fact that he was a baby and yet this baby is this and would do these things and it's helping you to reflect because sometimes you know maybe even other Christmas songs we might just focus on the cute baby in the manger and his lowly birth but not think about why he came, who he is, what he would do. <laughs> he would grow up to be a man. He'd, he, you know, he would perform miracles. He would deliver people from their sins, you know, and that's what the song's focused on. You know, I don't think, as Mark Lowry explains, he wasn't intending to stir up a controversy. So, really, what good comes from the fact that there is a controversy around this song? (laughs) I read this article by Bob Smetana, written for uh, Julie Roy's, julieroys.com, entitled, Mary Did You Know? Writer Mark Lowry, good-natured over songs controversy, and that was just a few days ago as of this recording, December 19th. 
And Mark Lowry himself is quoted in the article saying, I hope it sends them running to Luke 1 to find out what Mary knew. I hope that people looking at this or hearing the song, just people hearing the song who aren't even involved in the controversy or people who are dissecting the song. Mark Lowry, every year he deals with the criticism of his song that he wrote I think they first performed in like 1984 or something like that. So several decades ago and every year (laughs) we have renewed criticism of the song, right or wrong, but Mark Lowry is good natured about it. And he reflects like, okay, you know, I didn't write it from a deep, it's deeply theological, but he didn't write it from the perspective of thinking so much about what did Mary in fact know, but reflecting on answering questions about the identity of her son. And he's positive about it, and he's like, I like the fact that it makes people read the scriptures really to to find out what did she know. And, you know, and as I was preparing notes for this episode, I'm like reading Luke chapter one and seeing like, wow, there's a lot there. You know, the angels like pouring it on her about what her son's going to be like. And then Simeon and uh, Anna and (laughs) Elizabeth and all these like grandiose statements like, she did indeed know a lot about her son. And what I like about this is this song and the controversy about the song is that it makes Christians think deeper about the meaning of Christmas. And some Christians may not be reading the scriptures very much, but if they find themselves embroiled in this controversy, they're listening to the song. Maybe they, they never really thought about it. They heard the song, but then when they get challenged by the criticisms and then they start to think, did she know? And then, yeah, regardless of how they get caught up in the controversy, it causes some Christians to start to read the scriptures that maybe they've overlooked. They start to comb through Luke chapters 1 and 2 and Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and see some words and some phrases and some cross-references and some the prophecies that we brought up that they otherwise might have glossed, and it leads them into a deeper understanding about who Jesus is and the meaning of Christmas. And so, regardless of how you look at this, I think it's a net positive, (laughs) because I think it really makes people focus on the true meaning of Christmas. And so, I hope that this episode was um, one that got you thinking, and we enjoyed uh, looking at the song here, looking at the beautiful phrases in it, the questions, and regardless of your position on the song and how controversial you make it is, I hope that you enjoyed our little analysis of it, and that encourages you to study the scriptures a little more and reflect on what Mary knew and didn't know or whatever, but most importantly, what the song is conveying about who Jesus is, that he is the one who redeemed people, that he is the one who walked on water and calmed the storm and made the blind to see and the lame to walk, and that he redeemed Mary, he redeems you, and that's what's really important, that he is God in the flesh. That is what's important about the song, and I think that's what the song is intended to convey, and and that's what you should get out of the song, and so... 
<laughs> so stay tuned for more episodes of Truth Espresso and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.